As everybody's coming in, I got a great message. Man, I've been ready to preach this all week long. And as everybody's getting seated, I have a request today. I want everybody to just wave at me. Just get your hand up and wave at me. Like, like your friendly folk. I want everybody to say amen. Alright, now I know you can do these two things, so don't always put it on Sherry to be the only ameniner, because I'm going to need your amens today. There we go, I see that hand, and it hasn't even been salvation time yet. But you know what, we're going to go into this message today, and I'm continuing on the theme that we've been on for spiritual discipline and uh, our diet and exercise plans. And today we're going to be talking about exercising our spiritual authority. Okay? We're going into it. We're rolling up the sleeves today. And you know, we're, we're going to be talking about the authority that God's given us. I do have a little quick story I'd like to share with you real quick about a boxer who was being beaten tremendously by his opponent. And every round that goes by, he is getting more bloodied. I mean, this other opponent is just, uh, he's swollen the eyes and bloodied the nose and the mouth is bleeding. And, and every time the bell rings, the, the boxer would go back to his trainer and the trainer was giving encouraging words. He says, that bum's not even laying a hand on you. He's doing nothing. And the boxer says to the referee, well, you bet. <laughs> the boxer said to his trainer, keep an eye on that referee because somebody's killing me out there, you know? So what was happening <laughs> The words that were encouraging him wasn't reflecting what he was experiencing. And today in the body of Christ, there are so many people that are going through spiritual warfare and they're not realizing the true enemy out there. See, they're blaming it on people. They're getting comforting words. Oh, it's, it's that spouse, it's that boss, it's that teacher, it's that friend, it's that coworker. But we know that it's the spiritual darkness behind that that is creating that situation. You see? So today we're going to be opening our eyes a little bit about what spiritual warfare is all about, the authority that we have over evil spirits in the name of Jesus Christ, and what Paul has been talking to us. Now I want to tell you that if you want to know more about spiritual authority, you need to read through the book of Ephesians. There is more about this topic in the book of Ephesians than anywhere else, and we're going to be in that quite a bit. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open with me. We're going to be going through several passages this morning, but first we're going to start off with probably the best known in, in spiritual warfare, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And it says this, This is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. We are wrestling with rulers, authorities, and powers who govern this world of darkness and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. Now, especially this week, if you've been at our corporate prayer for the last couple of weeks, I want to encourage you. We had a great turnout this morning. Next Sunday, especially being the day of Super Bowl, I'd love to encourage you to be there because we have been taking spiritual authority over this city. Okay? You may say, oh, but it's not going to come into my neighborhood. Do nothing and watch what happens. As born-again Christians, hold back your prayers and see what's going to happen in our world. But you know what? God has called us to stand up and to be bold in this place that He has placed us. We are all here for a reason. God could have you living in Oregon right now. You could be living in Sacramento. You could be living in Pittsburgh. Anywhere, but God has chosen you to be here. And so this is our land, and we're going to defend it spiritually. Because we are already here. When the police come and ask the church to pray... They know more than we know. 
You understand, because they've been preparing for this event. And when they go to the pastors and say, will you please pray for what's about to happen, they understand. And there is power in authority. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Because I love this. You know, I love experiencing success in God. I mean, there have been so many times I've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing has happened in the physical. But I know that things are happening in the spiritual. And then there are times, man, when I've had a word or a prayer, or we've laid hands on the sick and they've received healing instantly. And you feel in the spirit like a million dollars. And it's like you want to roll your sleeves up and go do more. If you've ever won somebody for Christ, it just makes you want to do it more and more and more and more. And all of a sudden, those walls and barriers and all your excuses start breaking down. As we share today, even in corporate prayer, there are going to be thousands of church, thousands from multiple churches in uh, Sundance Square this week evangelizing to all of those that are coming in for the ESPN stages that are set up. And let's take a look at what Luke 10, verses 17 through 19 tells us as born-again believers. It says, The 70 disciples came back very happy. They came back very happy. I believe every word in the Bible is there for a reason. They came back very... It didn't say they came back defeated. It said they came back very happy. And they said, Lord, even demons obey us when we use the power and authority of your name. Now, i got to tell you, if, if this is being recorded, you know... Have you ever had a, a teacher or instructor that was very monotone? You remember you just talk like this the whole time, you were aquatic equations and you know. You know, you can read his speech and say, man, that is dull. And you can take something and you can add life to it. So let me kind of give you what was happening when they got back and they saw Jesus for the first time. I bet they were excited. They're going, Jesus! They, even the demons obeyed us. Do you see? Because they were dealing with spiritual things. They didn't come back to Jesus. We just want to tell you that demons obeyed every power we did, and it was, it was in your name. Thank you very much. This was not an accounting report. This was life-changing. This is a good time to change. say amen. amen. There we go. And so they're coming back. So when you read the Word of God, put some passion in it. You know, man, when I write my wife a, a card, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm put love, and I underline words, and I put little exclamation points, and she doesn't read it. You are the best wife in the whole wide world. Thank you. I love you very much. No, she reads it with passion. She's like, oh, look, you put exclamations after this word. You underline this. This is the way, if you get one thing today, this is the way we need to read the Word of God. Do you understand? You might need to put some lines under it and say, they came back very happy, which means they were very excited. Because anytime I'm very happy, I'm usually very excited. Okay? Think about this. So they're saying that, Everything that they've seen, the demons had to bow down to the name of Jesus. Verse 18, Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning, and I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions and to destroy the enemy's power, and nothing, nothing, not some things, nothing will hurt you. Now, if you study the Bible like I'm trying to teach you to do, why don't you go in and start studying when snakes and scorpions are mentioned, especially Paula, right, in Revelation, it all has to do with demonic powers. So he's even saying, anytime you see snakes and scorpions listed, it has to do with demonic forces that are being taking place. So as born-again believers, as believers of Jesus Christ, any encounter that we have with Satan should always be with the consciousness that we have victory over him. Yes. 
We are conquerors. We have the victory over what Satan is trying to do in this world. Jesus Christ defeated him by going on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he hung and he bled and he died and he rose again to give us the authority that we have now as believers. Do you realize that some Christians think that spiritual authority is only for super-Christians? Honestly, this was surprising to me. That they think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just saved and I have my life insurance and that's about it. You know, I'm, 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 I know where I'm going when I'm dying. You are still subject to attacks from the enemy. And you better know the Word of God. You better know the authority that you have. And it's not for super-Christians. It is for every born-again believer that when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they now have a name that is above all names. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every sickness must bow. You know, even on my workbench in my garage, I have the name of Jesus. Oh, you say, Mark, you're a radical. Well, you know what? You can call me a lot of things, but I have to have His name in places that I spend time to remind myself of who He is. And sometimes when I'm working on something on a workbench, I need Jesus, okay? But I put Jesus in there in big letters so that I am constantly reminded of who He is and who I am. The Word of God says that when I accept Christ, I am a new creation. A new creation. And that also means that we inherit the name of Jesus Christ and the authority. You know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago about inheriting something. And if you think about an inheritance... It's something that you just automatically get because of who you are. Do you understand that? Nobody's out there working for an inheritance. An inheritance is given because of the love in the relationship. So we have to understand what we inherit through Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, Satan does not want Christians to know about this authority. He wants to defeat you in any way. In fact, one of his greatest tactics is subtleness a daily softening of our standards and our expectations. A daily subtleness of lowering our standards and our expectations. Now, our standards are something that we deal with in a culture. Our expectations has to do with our faith. Because, man, when you start praying, pray big things. Do you understand? I'm starting to pray bigger and bigger and bigger. Something's been stirred in my... That's why when I met Paul and Lynn Gibbs, I instantly... I bonded with them because their vision is bigger than they are. And that means God is in it. You see, when you bring little visions, then that means you're all in it. But when you bring big visions to God, it, it, it takes more than you. Man, I love that. And I, and, and I will support that. And I will pray for that. And I will go alongside of that. Because that's the God that we serve. Unfortunately today, we are practicing our culture more than we're practicing our faith. We're practicing our culture more than we're practicing our faith. In fact, we have become a culture of acceptance. And if you look back over just the last 50 years, we now live in a culture that accepts more just with face value than ever before. I wasn't going to mention this, but my heart was grieved this week. I was at Tom Thumb. And there's Elton John and his gay lover holding their baby on the cover of one of the magazines. 
I'm sorry, but that's warped and that's sick. Those two men cannot produce that baby. Okay? But it's in our society. It's in our magazines now. Oh, this is going to be the perfect couple raising this baby. And you know what I did? I started praying for that baby. Because I thought, Lord, this baby is going to have a warped vision of society. Okay? But now, what 50 years ago was not acceptable is now acceptable. Oh, Mark, you're just being narrow-minded. We've got to accept all things. No, we don't have to accept all things. Because Romans 12 tells me in verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which means everything in society that is bombarding you, every advertisement, everything you're reading, every email, every dirty joke, everything that the world is trying to throw on you, you have to throw it back and say, No, I'm going to renew. Whatsoever things are good whatsoever things are pure these are the things that I'm going to think on and we have to shake off the things that this culture is trying to put on us that was a great time for everybody to say amen yeah that wave alright man we are growing spiritually aren't we man I'll tell you we're allowing our children to see and experience things in video games that are horrific Read, just go out and start reading about M ratings on video games. And when we're letting seven and eight year olds play M rated video games, don't complain in five, six, seven years when you have to start paying counselors to explain why your child is messed up. We we are making decisions that are ruining a generation. Because we're accepting the unacceptable. The graphicness. Oh, but Mark, you're missing it. Look at the graphicness. When I blow this guy up, the blood goes everywhere. Well, la-di-da, you know? And next will be high def. Now we'll have our kids wearing the red and green glasses and blowing up people. But we've got to realize that enough is enough in our culture. And we've got to stop allowing Satan to subtly take everything. So we have to start exercising spiritual authority. Ephesians 1.3 tells us this, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Do you see how much heaven has to offer? Every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. How many of you all go into the grocery store and just stay on one aisle? Huh? I mean, let's just think about that. Why would you do that? Oh, I don't believe in aisles 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Everything I want is right here. And it better not be the baby food aisle, okay? But you know what? We are doing that spiritually. Because we don't want aisle number 3. We don't want aisle number 7. We don't even go over to aisle number 11. And it's there for you. And this spiritual authority is free. All you've got to do is... I'd get a bigger cart, okay? But we're like, no, we're just really satisfied with aisle number one. It's close to the door. It's convenient. i got my car parked right there. And this is just the way I want to be, Pastor. We have to understand the spiritual authority that belongs to us. Knowledge is one thing, and action is what's going to bring results. There's many stories similar to this, but I picked this one. And it said that a man, a, man, a homeless man, was found dead in a shabby little room that he rented on the streets of Chicago for about 20 years. And he was always dressed in rags and eating out of garbage cans. And one day the neighbors became concerned because they had not seen this homeless gentleman for three days. They found him in bed, dead. 
who died of malnutrition, but he had a fanny pack. And you know what was in the fanny pack? $23,000. Now, that's a lot of money to me. I don't know if it is to you. Okay, I got one wow. But $23,000 is a lot of money carrying a fanny pack. I'd have a bigger fanny, okay? But the point being is this. He had the ability to live better than he was. He did not have to die of malnutrition because of a lack of food, because of the resources. He chose not to use what he had to survive. And spiritually, we're doing the same thing. We're choosing not to use these things to survive, to become stronger, to become bolder, to become a brighter light, to be better salt. Oh, but you know, I just don't want aisle number two, and I don't want aisle number three in this free grocery store. Start getting in the Word of God and seeing the power and the authorities. Paul didn't pick and choose what he wanted to do. Man, he was very bold about what we should be doing. So it's important that we understand spiritual warfare. John 8, verses 31 and 32 tells us this. I told you we'd be doing a lot of Scriptures today because you cannot deal with this topic and not have a lot of Scriptures. John eight thirty-one and 32 said, So Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, You live by what I say. You are truly My disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Have you thought about it? Now, we all know that. It's probably crocheted on one of your pillows. We know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Well, if that's true, then lies and deceit will bind us, right? I mean, if truth is going to set you free, then I would say that deceit is going to bind. And we live in a society of deceit. We live in a society where truth is being blended with deceit and being sold as a new product. And that's where every New Age religion or new, or new doctrine that comes out is a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And they give you a half of a scripture here and a verb from the Old Testament here and then they make their proclamation. But Hosea 4, 6 tells me this. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Here's the warning to those in authority. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priest. And since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. There is wickedness in high places within the body of Christ today. And I'm not talking just what you see and hear on the news, but it's in the hearts of the leaders. And God is saying, you're not presenting the truth. You're presenting a convenient gospel. You're presenting a a modern day cultural acceptance. There's words that are not being used in the church anymore. Like repent. Man, how many times have you heard repent in just even one of our modern day Christian songs today? Oh, it doesn't rhyme with anything. I think of a lot of things repent can rhyme with. We just choose not to use it. Our morals and families and churches are perishing because of a lack of wisdom. We have churches today that the love for God has gone cold. Their lights have gone out. And I'm not talking the physical lights. Their spiritual lights. Their ability to touch and reach and evangelize and encourage other people. They've pulled off the armor of God 
and now they're standing defenseless to the attacks of Satan. It starts when we don't spend time reading God's Word. Period. Several weeks ago, I started a new morning routine. Getting my iPad out, Austin made me a great worship playlist, and I'm going through all those songs. And I'm realizing that when I'm able to spend that much time in worship, then when I read the Word of God, it brings a whole new relationship to me. Remember a couple weeks ago I told you, don't read the Word of God just to finish. Read the Word of God to change. And if you stay and park yourself on one Scripture, and just say, God, reveal yourself to me in this Scripture... And I don't want to move from the Scripture until you show me. And I'm getting tired of reading the same Scripture, God, so could we please open up my heart? And if there's anything in me, remove it so that I can understand the Scripture. Man, that's when we start growing in the meat. You know, we've been talking in this series about our first was self-discipline. Remember, self-discipline is doing the right things on your own and not being on that leash. Then we talked about the right diet and exercise and the Word of God being our food that we should be consuming. We should have a Scripture for every situation that's going on in our lives. We need to have a Scripture for every situation that's going in everyone else's lives. Because they're going to come to you looking for some hope. And if you shrug your shoulders, then they pretty much think that the church is shrugging their shoulders. And the Word of God doesn't change. So it's important that we see... Speaking the scriptures over our situation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 tells us this. Of course we are human, but we don't fight like humans. The weapons we use in our fight are not made by humans. Rather they are powerful weapons from God. With them we destroy people's defenses. That is their arguments. And all their intellectual arrogance. And those and that oppose the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. Man, I'll tell you, the only M-rated video game I'd want you to do is something on spiritual warfare where you're just knocking demons out everywhere because you have to walk into a room, start speaking scriptures, you have to type the scriptures in, and then everything happens. Now, what about that? That would be great in 3D, okay? And you can do this in real life. Start speaking scriptures in your workplace. As you're walking down your halls in your classroom, start speaking scriptures. Start praying over that. If you are in your workplace, start praying. I know some of you take your Bibles with you to work, and that's the only time you get to study. But take your Bibles with you. Oh, I don't know what people would think. Okay. Does it matter? <laughs> what do you think God thinks when you decide to ignore and take, not take His Bible? Are you more concerned about man or are you more concerned about God? So start taking your Bible. Start setting it out on your desk. It might start some interesting conversations. God is the source of our authority. God is the power behind authority. I've got a question for you. This is a great question. What is authority? What is authority? I'm going to tell you one definition. Delegated power. Okay? Have you ever thought about that? I'm going to give you an example of that. Back in December, I had to go to the Parks Mall. Remember I told you? Crazy thing to do. I'm pulling in the parking lot, trying to get in. There's a 110-pound police officer in front of my 3,000-pound truck. 
And that police officer is stopping me to allow other cars to come in. Now, let's do the math. My truck's 3,000 pounds. I'm going at probably 35 miles an hour. 110-pound police officer standing still with a whistle. I got a horn, okay? My horn is greater than her whistle, okay? She had a white glove. I had a white bumper. <laughs> who do you think has more... If you had to match those two up, who do you think would come out victorious in that physical realm right there? Amen. That's right. But why did I stop a 3,000-pound truck with a bigger horn than she had? Because there was a badge on that 110-pound police officer that says there is authority behind her. Do you understand delegated authority? I've literally seen, not from my personal example, but I've literally seen police officers on I-20 step out on the lane and start pointing to a car. I don't want to ever step out on I-20, okay? That's why I'm not a police officer. But can you imagine how bold you have to be knowing the authority that that person that's going 60, well, probably faster than 60, that's why they're wanting to talk with you, is coming at you and you're stepping out in their lane waving them over. That's delegated authority. That's the authority that you have through Jesus Christ. That when you start exercising your spiritual authority, you can put your hand out to the devil and stop him. But he has a bigger horn than I do. I don't care. Start speaking the Word of God and it will blast Satan and demonic forces out of your home. That's delegated authority. And if you need a little badge, I'll give you a little badge, okay? You know, like the, you got the little wings, it never made you a pilot. I'll give you a badge. It's not going to make you a police officer. But if it will remind you of spiritual authority, of whose you are, and all that's behind you, then I will invest 99 cents and buy you a badge. Because I want you guys to grow this year. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. That's right. You see, that's when we're standing out there saying, No, Satan, you've had enough. I am sick and tired of you in my life. And that's what happens when we start exercising spiritual authority. 1 John 4.4 4 says, Dear children, you belong to God. So you have won the victory over these people. Because the one that is in you is greater than the one who is in this world. There's the Word of God right there. You may feel overwhelmed in your workplace. You may feel overwhelmed in your relationship. You may feel overwhelmed in your finances. You may feel alone. You may feel desperate. This is when you have to start reminding yourself, greater is he than he that's in this world. My badge is bigger than his badge. Which means the power behind my badge is bigger than what he has. And we have to understand that. So how do we deal with the devil? As long as Satan can keep you in unbelief, he will defeat you in every battle. I'm going to, tell the, I'm going to say that again, because more amen should have went up than that. As long as Satan will keep you in unbelief, he will win every battle in your life. Amen. He will use you like a cheap toy and throw you away. But when you start fighting him with faith, when you start fighting him with the Word of God, when you start speaking scriptures, you will defeat him every time. Now, I'm not using words that can be said almost every time or approximately every time. I believe in the Word of God. I have experienced the Word of God in my life. And when you speak Scriptures, 
into situations, Satan must flee. He will not argue with you about the blood of Jesus. He's afraid of the blood of Jesus. I love when Sherry was praying this morning for us in our city. There was one time, just it was just about two to three minutes, she said, we plead the blood of Jesus over our city. We plead the blood of Jesus over our police officers. We plead the blood of... And I thought, that's exactly what I'm preaching today. Because there are times you have to plead the blood of Jesus over your homes. Take back what Satan has stolen from you. We need to stand up and exercise our authority. When Peter was at the gate called Beautiful, he was praying for a lame man. And he demanded that this lame man get up. Let's visit that scripture in Acts 3, verses 3 through 8. And when the man saw that Peter and John were about to go into the courtyard, he asked them for a handout. You know what? Our world is constantly asking us for a handout. If nobody's asking you for a handout, then you're not actually hanging out with the world, okay? Because everybody wants something. Have you realized that? There's usually an angle, there's usually something, whether it's an immediate, but they're always wanting something. And Peter and John stared at him. Now, once again, you've got you to gotta take the Word of God just slowly. Stared at him. And I'm thinking, how long did they stare? Was this an awkward stare? Was this a blare? I'm just going to stare at you until you confess or repent or praise God or something. But we're just going to stare. It's an awkwardness, isn't it? Okay, so all of a sudden, he got the attention of that person. Because he's so used to being blown off. Do you realize, the people that are hurting out there think that the church has blown them off. They've stopped. You know, it's when despair sets in, okay? Now listen to me. You know, they're always saying, oh, the, the jobless rate's this and this and this. But now they'll also give a report for the people that just stopped looking. And you know what happens? That's despair. That is defeat. That's saying nobody wants to hire you. Why are you even trying anymore? Don't put any more resumes out there. See, to me, that is Satan defeating your livelihood. When I hear that, I grieve for our nation. These are the people that stop looking. So he stares at him. And Peter and John said, look at us. Verse 5, so the man watched them closely. He expected to receive something from them. What he's about to receive is much better than anything that they would have put into his hands, money-wise. Verse 6, however, Peter said to him, I don't have any money, but I'll give you what I have. Now, how many Christians can even identify with that? You know, I've been poor before. I've been broke, okay? Seriously. I remember adding, I'd take ketchup packets, you know, just so I could squeeze them and put them back in my own ketchup bottle. All right? Have you ever been that poor that you're eating ketchup from restaurants? Okay? Yeah. And there's times I've said, you know, I don't have anything. I can't, I can't give you anything. So this, I'm thinking at this point, the guy's like, great. <laughs> this guy just wants to talk to me. Don't stand in my way. I need to beg from other people. This is what he says. I don't have any money, but I'll give you what I do have. Through the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, walk. Oh wait, there's an exclamation point after that. Okay? Through the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. You see? 
Now I'm thinking this guy's probably freaked out a little about that. Hey, look, I was just wanting a buck, okay? You're wanting, don't you see what's, look, I'm not here for recreation. Then, here comes the action, okay? First the word was spoken, now here comes the action. Peter took hold of the man's right hand. Oh, I don't know if I'd be comfortable about that, Pastor Mark. That's action. Faith without works is dead. And he takes the man's right hand and begins to help him up. And immediately, now this is when the healing takes place. It wasn't saying when he spoke that, the man was made whole, now he's helping him out. So when I'm saying, get up and walk, here's my hand. At that point, that's when this beggar had to exercise his faith. You see, there are times when I pray for people, they don't have faith. And I have to combine my faith with their faith. You see? So they're reaching a hand out. He grabs this, and as he grabs the hand, immediately that's when the healing takes place. And the man's feet and ankles became strong. So that's what happens when we start exercising spiritual authority. John 14, verses 13 and 14 tells us this, I will do anything you ask the Father in my name so that the Father will be given glory because of the Son. If you ask me to do something, I will do it. Now I've, had, I've heard more twisted translations of that because sometimes what you're demanding God to do is not in God's will for your life. You to win the lottery is not dependent upon how much God loves you and how much you name it and claim it. If you're a goofball now, you're just going to be a wealthy goofball and you're going to be further away from God. If He can't trust you with what He's put in your check uh, book right now, why would He multiply that with six zeros behind it? Start giving to God. Start sowing. Every time you have an opportunity, start sowing. That's what happens. Just like the Word of God has to be sown into our hearts. Do you realize this, that a farmer does not go out and plant a seed on Monday, then go on Tuesday. No, no, let's make it more applicable. Let's say that on Sunday morning I come to church and I plant that seed. But on Monday I take the seed out and I don't do anything with the seed. I just hold it in my hand. And the next Sunday I stick it in the ground and I pat some dirt on it. But Monday I take that seed and I carry it all around. In the physical... How is that plant going to grow if we're always holding the seed and it's not having time in the ground to nurture itself? The Word of God has to be in our heart daily for it to grow. If Sunday's the only time you're hearing the Word of God, that seed is not growing in your heart. It's got to be in the heart, the ground, consistently for it to grow. So the key to exercising your spiritual authority comes from Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 23 tells us this. You will also know the unlimited greatness of His power as it works with might and strength for us. The believers. He worked with you the same power in Christ when He brought Him back to life and gave Him the highest position in heaven. He is far above all rulers, Authorities, powers, lords, Jerry Jones, and all of the names that can be named, not only in this present world, but also in the world to come. God has put everything under, his control, under the control of Christ. And He has made Christ the head of everything for the good of the church. The church is Christ's body and completes Him as He fills everything in every way. 
So in God's mind, when Jesus Christ rose, the church rose. When Jesus Christ sat down beside Him, we sat down beside Him. Because the Word of God says that we're joint heirs with everything. Joint heirs means that you have the same ability to withdraw from the same account that I do. It's a joint checking account. So guess what happens? If I have a million dollars in my joint checking account and I make Norman over here the other joint heir to it, (laughs) see, I got an amen and a yes out of that, guess how much he has resource to? All million dollars. You see? I gave him that access to go in and whenever you need anything, come take it from this storehouse. That's what happened when Christ died. That's what the Word of God is telling us that will conquer the devil. Giving us spiritual authority. Mark 16, verses 15 and 18 says this, Then Jesus said to them, So wherever you go in this world, tell everyone the good news. Wow. Pastor Mark, I just don't really know what I'm supposed to do as a born-again Christian. Well, let's reread that scripture. So wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. These are the miraculous signs that will accompany believers. They will use the power and authority of my name to force out demons out of people. They will speak in new languages. They will pick up snakes, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick and cure them. Oh, I liked everything, but that verse 18 kind of freaked me out a little there, Pastor. Are we going to become a snake-handling church? No. This is not a freak show. The Word of God tells me, do not tempt the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Do not tempt God. This has, in relationship, when you read when Paul was on the island of Malta, and he's there because God has called him, and he's doing this as the pays... uh, are going into their lands. If anything happens to them, God is protecting them. But when we want to put on a freak show and say, look at what I know, look at what I can do, you are tempting God. Okay? I could go out and say, you know what, because I believe God, I'm going to stand in the middle of Park Row out there for 15 minutes and no car is going to come near me. That is not wisdom. God has not given me that stupidity. Okay? And I'm saying, stop in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll die a martyr. We do things like that. When you hear of this snake handling, that is done for showmanship. That is not exercising faith. You want to exercise faith, go out on the mission fields, put yourself in real danger, and believe that God's going to protect you. Do you understand? There are areas of danger while you're doing the work of God, and not in some back roads church where you just want to have a little whoop night. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. So when you lay hands on the sick, you are exercising authority over the devil. Well, what if they don't get healed? What if they do? Are you now the decision of who and who shouldn't be healed? Man, I would rather strike out 99 times and hit a home run than say I'm not going to go up at all. Because that one home run is radically going to change somebody's life. And that's why we're here to be the body of Christ. James 4, 7 says this, So place yourself under God's authority. Resist the devil and he will run or flee away from you. Now look what this scripture is saying. 
It's not saying that the devil will flee from Jesus. Who is he going to flee from? You. Have you ever read that and thought about it? That means you have spiritual authority. As that police officer to put up your hand and say, I am sick and tired, Satan, of what you've been doing in my life. And it's going to stop today. And some of you need to pound your fist a little bit. Flee means to run as if in terror. James 5, 14 and 15 tells us this. If you are sick, call for the church leaders. Have them pray for you and anoint you with olive oil in the name of the Lord. Why do you think we take time out every Sunday in our services to pray for you? Because we want a little exercise? No! We don't walk back there for just enjoyment. We go back there to do spiritual warfare. And when you get up from your seat, you're activating your faith. But there's times we'll say, no, I'm not going to go back there. God can't do this. I don't want God to do this right now. What? Well, it would just be better if this happened later. Prayers offered in faith will save those who are sick, and the Lord will cure them. If you have sinned, you will be forgiven. Ephesians 6.10 tells us this in verse 11. Finally, receive your power from the Lord and from His mighty strength. Put on all the armor that God supplies. In this way, you can take a stand against the devil's strategies. All of the armor, except for one, is defensive. The helmet of salvation, salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the girdle of truth, feet shod with the gospel of peace, our, truth, uh, our belt of truth. The sword is the only offensive weapon that you have in that whole armor. So when we choose whether we want to spend time in the Word of God or not, you're choosing whether you want to go outside without a sword. Because if you could open up your spiritual eyes and see what you're about to walk into, even when you go into this parking lot, or you go into work on Monday morning, or you go home this afternoon, you're deciding to leave your sword? Mm. We've got to open our eyes, understand the truth, and start actions. By wearing in the armor, the believers become protected. They stand up holding authority. The sword of the Spirit represents the Word of God. Let me tell you this as I close. Satan has stolen from us. There's not a person in this place that has not been a victim of theft. But the good news today is that we have authority to reclaim and take back. Some of you need to tell Satan to give your children back. Okay? I'm going to say that one again. Some of you need to tell Satan to give your children back. Some of you need to tell Satan to give your marriage back. Some of you need to start telling Satan that you want your peace back. Some of you need to start telling Satan that you want your hope back. Some of you need to start telling Satan that you need to be a dreamer again and you want that back. Some of you need to start telling Satan that you want your finances back, that it's been stolen from you. It's time that we start standing up to Satan because of the badge that we have because Jesus Christ died on the cross and you have the authority to use the name and it says that when we resist Satan he will flee from us some of us have made a guest room for him we're so used to being in our house we might need to do inventory of what's in our home 
okay? I'm serious. If you are fighting spiritually, take inventory of what's in your home. And if it is not building you up, get it out. Okay? We have subtly allowed so much to come into our home. We subtly allow so much to come in through our cable television. We have subtly allowed so much to come into our lives through video games. And it is subtly allowing us to accept the unacceptable. And today is a day of change. If you truly want your life to change, you have to understand spiritual authority. You have to understand the name of Jesus. Today, Dino led us in that song. No sweeter name than the name of Jesus. You should never hear that song again after this message and think of it in the same way. I want to give everyone an opportunity. Today, before I even lead you in prayer, to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to take inventory of your life. And would you ask God one very simple question? Is there anything hindering me from walking in spiritual authority? Is there anything in my life, God, that is hindering me? Whether I'm not spending time in the Word, whether I'm not trusting You, whether I am scared, God, whether I have a spirit of fear that needs to be broken, whether I have sickness in my body and I need it broken, I need health to come in. Whatever it is, God, is there something that is hindering me from walking in spiritual authority? And as I lead everyone in a prayer, I'd like for you to rededicate your life to God just today. And say, God, forgive me for for being lax in this area of my life. I know that I should be doing better. I know that I am not treating this one person correctly. I know I have not forgiven. I know that I still have bitterness in my heart. And you can't be out on the battlefield with bitterness in your heart. So today, as I lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you say, Pastor Mark, why do you lead us in the same prayer every Sunday? Because as this message is on the web and it's heard throughout the world now, I believe that one person is hearing this message and saying, I have got to get rid of all this junk in my life. And I'm going to lead them in a very simple prayer that will radically change their life. But today, this is personal with us. Anything that needs to get out of our life, today is clearance day. Would you all please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Now, we've taken care of all the housework. Now we can get busy going out in the neighborhoods changing lives being a testimony sharing your testimony 
You know, even in my notes, one of the things that I had listed is maybe Satan has stolen your testimony. Maybe you just don't even have a zeal to tell that anymore. Maybe what really awed you five years ago isn't that exciting to you anymore. I pray that passion will come back into your lives. Not the passion of of romance, the passion of God. So if you all will stand, I'd love to speak a blessing over you today. May the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace and be passionate. In God's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Thanks for coming.